0: For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at ww.support.rabbicatz.com. Hi, it's um Wednesday night. I spend all day long with foot doctors and stuff like that. Um about a week. Anyway, I want to do the Haftar up. This is being sponsored by our good friend Al from Marcus, Professor Marcus. Uh it's interesting how the internet works. I never met him, but i we we're good friends, so to speak. you know the podcast is uh, modern communication is funny that way instead of stimulating uh community in the sense of speaking people to people in in physical proximity, they create these uh you know um uh, electronic communities which are not necessarily less effective it's it's interesting It's what to talk about, but that's not what I'm talking about today. we'll talk about Dov <coughs> uh Alfred Marcus is sponsoring this for his mom's yard site, which is 24 Teves. So it's uh, towards the end of the month. My father's the last day of the month, 29 Teves. Uh, and she died in 2011 um, at 101. So that means she's born in 1910. So that means your mom was two years older than mine. My mother was born in 1912. Yours in 1910. <clears throat> and interestingly, she came apparently from Potka Rus, based on what he's telling me, which is Subcarpathian carpathian Ruthenia, which doesn't mean anything to you. But if I say Munkach and Chost, then you say, oh, I know that. I was there, actually. Um, and so she's from Subcarpathian Ruthenia, the borders of which were changing. And she came to this country in 24. That means by that time it was already Czechoslovakia. So the Jews there were free, but very poor. Oh, my God. Poverty was unbelievable. Anybody who wants to get an idea of the poverty in Potka, in the 1920s, you get this book called The Wandering Jew by the Frenchie guy, the name escapes me. He was a famous journalist once upon a time. The book's been translated into English. And he visited as a French journalist, not Jewish, different Jewish communities, including Subcarpathian in in 1920s. And again, wasn't a pr- problem with, with a, a political persecution. The Czechoslovakia was actually a very liberal democracy to the Jews. But uh, that doesn't mean that they gave you a job. In other words, the economy is what it was, and the economy was lousy, and people were freezing in the winter, and so forth and so on. So, um. His mom came to this country in 24. That means that they came, as he says, after the Johnson Act. Uh, that's interesting because in the history of the United States of America, it used to be pretty much free immigration. You could come and there were no quotas. Uh, I mean, if you had a disease or something like that, or a criminal record, you couldn't come. But Derek chal, you could come, which is why the millions of Jews among others, tens of millions of them came here and then the country had too much. You can understand it from the white, white Anglo-Saxon point of view, and they passed the Johnson Act, which made the quotas. I won't go into the details, except that he tells me that his mom came right after the law was passed, and it was a little girl, What was she, uh, I guess, uh, 14 years old, and they wouldn't let her in, because she wanted the quota, but then her dad showed up, her dad, who had been in America since 1913, was a citizen, and he... <laughs> Said these greenhorns are my family, and so on and so forth, you know. And he came dra- driving up in a clean shaven in a big car, and she thought it looks like a guy. This is the fact that you know he was already in America, I guess, 13 14 years already. It's very, it's a uh, uh, 10 years already, and uh, he had already undergone Americanization. So, this is a Pittsburgh story, and the most interesting part, well, the whole thing's very interesting, I'm not going to read it. Because I have to talk about the half but from a historical perspective, uh, Alfred Marcus informs me that his mom was a beautician in Pittsburgh and so forth. And um, uh, here's the point: his grandmother, right? Uh, his, his he was uh, his grandfather lived with them. Okay, so her she took in her father. See, this is the old days. You know, you didn't send them to a nursing home. She took in her, her father, and he lived with them. And the grandfather, who had been a salesman, he says, send this boy to uh day school, Hill Academy, in the fifth grade. Okay? So, you no, know, and so that makes all the difference. That's why he became observant. I mean, he emerged observant. Let's put it this way. You know how often that story is? I know it so well from my era. I'm a little bit younger. I know that era in which I'm gonna let me put it this way. I myself know a lot of people who I'm not saying any names uh, in different towns and all that. The parents came after the war or something like that, or maybe before the war, and they worked on Shabbos and they had stores and this and that and the other. But the grandparents lived with them also. And the grandparents, the ones that said, get put the kid in at day school, send the girl to a or something like that. And since they made a whole hullabaloo, they did it. And that's how you find a whole generation of people. I could name many names, but I won't, which, you know, you look at them today, they look like they've always been from. It's not exactly historically accurate. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Uh, they really uh, owe a lot to the to the grandparent or grandparents in their life. So anyway, um, I want to thank him for sponsoring this. We pay tribute to his mom's uh, Nisham having Aliyah on the 24th of Tavis. And now let's talk about um, the Haftarah, which is the famous Haftarah uh, that everybody knows a little bit. I bet you don't know a lot. I'll tell you what I mean. It's from Ezekiel, and it's the one where you take the two sticks in time together. One is Judah and one is Joseph. And the symbolism is simple. You know, you take the Pirud, the uh, huge debate in, in the uh, in the story of Pasha Vayigash, which is the struggle at the beginning between Judah and Joseph, which we know almost... Um, came to blows. I mean, let's put it this way: Yosef barely contain himself. I spoke about it the other day. But one very simple shot is: Yehuda is going to lose it and kill Joseph. Not realizing he's the brother, or maybe realizing he's the brother. There's a medish takuma like that. But whatever the case is, it got really close to an armed struggle, and in the end, it was averted because Yosef revealed himself. So you see that the pirud. The split between in among the ranks of the brothers was a, a big source of weakness, and that's been the history of the Jewish people, you know, ever since. So I think every people kinda know it. And Yfeska Hanovi, who lived the course of the time of the Korbin Abbaias Risham, and was looking forward in the future, either to the Bayashini period or down the line to the Messianic era, in our Hafturist case it's the Messianic era in the future. And he makes interesting prediction that one day all the tribes will be united. That means that Yecheskel is very optimistic in the following sense. It's not clear whether Joseph is, is extinct or not. I've told you before, there is a Mishnah in Sanhedrin. You can look it up. And it's an argument to Rebbelez and I don't remember who says what exactly. Uh, but you can look at it yourself in Perchelech. And one says the ten tribes are not coming back. The other one says they are. So that means there was a whole school of thought in Chazal. That the ten tribes are just totally intermarried and they're gone from history. Uh, it's a little shocking, but there, there you have it. Um, so obviously they're not going to talk about a stick of Joseph and a stick of Judah in the Messianic era. there won't be no stick of Joseph. However, obviously Heskel was from the school of thought, and I'll remind you that they somehow or other, the tribe of uh, Joseph, which means the of menasseh will reemerge. how that's to be is beyond us to see today. Because as far as we know, the ten tribes are gone. push up shot, plain pushup shot is, they intermarried with local Gaim. For all we know now, the Iraqis may be Iranians to some degree. I've heard theories as Pakistan, that's a little hard to hear. Things like that. that you know, if the, if you want to go by the genes, what is the ten lost tribes? So they're gone. But what does CADS know? Comes along science now in the 21st century. And they got the DNA and all this other stuff. And their ways of tracing people's backgrounds. I'm not a geneticist. I don't understand, but I, I'm not totally stupid. I've heard of it. And they can discover things about your ancestry that you yourself didn't know. And it could very well be that they'll come up with some kind of 10 lost tribes gene. I, you know, don't ask me, but in this day and age, living as we do in the 20th and 21st century, for us to suggest that nothing is, 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 is that anything is impossible for science, is ridiculous. So it could be that Yosef will pop up again as I said before, maybe in the form of the Iraqis, or I don't know, you know, something like that, uh, and uh, and and they'll reemerge, and then there'll be two sticks and they'll time together, and the Jewish people will take off into the Messianic era. As Kenzai, you know, like I say, I don't know, I know, I know the the um, the prophecy of the Parsha today. That's what it's all about, correct? You know, it's he says over there. Uh, what's the language? Get my rusty, trusty R8 cap on here. From Yeheskel, where he says, <laughs> So it's interesting. He says, So it's interesting. He says, And he says, "Take two sticks. Write on one Yehuda, and the other one uh, Ephraim and and then join them together somehow or other. Time together, and use them as a pen." to write a prophecy for the uh, future, right? Because it says, and the Jewish people say, what's with the two sticks and your funny looking pen? And he'll say, I'm doing this as prophets always, always did, as a kind of symbolic, physical action to um, indicate that some uh, non-physical uh, reality along these lines is going to happen. In this case, the, the coming together of the different parts of the Jewish people. So the prophet is supposed to say, the same way you see me tie these two sticks together, one day the two groups of Jews will come together. Okay? Uh, And what's the message it's going to say? I'm going to bring you back. I'll take the the Jews out of the Goyim. That they went to. So in this case, it's a very significant statement because if you're talking about Yehuda, so when you say, that's what we've seen in our lifetimes or a little bit more. There were Jews in foreign countries and they made aliyah, they went to Israel. I'm not saying Israel's, is, you know, the the, the bonum yet, but they went to Israel. So, so there were Jews in Russia, and they went to Israel. There were Jews in uh, Iraq and Morocco and places like that, they went to Israel. So that's the idea of, uh, that fits the Hebrew very well. However, remember, he's also talking about Joseph, Ephraim. There, you need that DNA stuff, like I just said before, something along those lines. I'm going to take the Bnei Israel from the government in which they went there, how are you going to do that? But They're going already. They don't even know they're Jewish. So God is saying, I need In other words, I will cause something to happen that they will change their identity. See, I mentioned the other day when I talked about Hanukkah and the Ukraine war, it's all about identity. How does one self-identify? makes a pretty big difference. Like the head of the Nazi party in Hungary who thought he's a guy and then when he found that he's Jewish, he like had a nervous breakdown and now he's in Lubavitch. Right? I'm not saying one's a consequence of the other, but I'm just saying that's what happened. That was a Chabad, because he had a change of identity. I thought I was on the Hitler team, and now I discovered I was on the other team. So, somehow or other, that becomes a more profound statement. I'm going to take the Bnei Yisrael from the midst, from among the Goyim. In other words, they are going to be Goyim. And somehow or other, they will be discovered to have been Jewish. So, if I wanted to make up a science fiction scenario you say somebody will come up with a Jewish scene finder and then it'll go around and they'll say, for example, I'm just making this up. Same example. Oh, Saddam was saying, guess what? You're from the tribe of sucker's Zavulin. Now, in the beginning, he might say baloney and then maybe something will happen. Like, I, you know, you make up the movie any way you want. But this is the prophecy, the wild and crazy prophecy we have in our in our haftarah today. I'm trying to emphasize the improbable nature of the prediction he's saying over there. To say that I'll take the Jewish Jews and take them out of uh, the Galut and bring them there to Israel, for you and I, that's a, a, a rational process. We've seen that happen to some degree in the last hundred years, right? 100, 120, 130 years. We've not seen that. Uh, so much so that we're not impressed with it. Uh, you know, it's become part of life. But the other way is interesting, right? Now, I gave a speech the other day in my lecture series. the fact of all these non-Jews coming from Russia, Ukraine, all the rest of it, they get in under the Jewish uh, return laws in Israel, because they have at least one Jewish grandparent, a single Jewish grandparent. Uh, And so halachically, they're not Jewish. What would happen if it, I'm just, again, I'm making this up. What would happen if it turns out when they get to Israel, they discovered it really, they thought that they're going, but it turns out they're they're Jewish. That their mother's mother's mother was really Jewish and she's the one who converted or, or hid the fact that they're Jewish. That goes on all the time in Eastern Europe. So all of a sudden, their identity will change. They'll say, oh, I'm actually Jewish. I thought I was going there. Turns out I'm Jewish. So the exact details of how the process will unfold, we do not know. But it'll be a very interesting process in terms of what I'm suggesting is going to be the radical alteration of self-identity. That's going to be really the most interesting thing from the modern perspective. The people who regard themselves as not Jewish will now have to come to f- face-to-face with the idea that they're Jewish. And if you follow this prophecy, they'll become from Jews. And as such, they'll unite with the others and bring together the joint powers. Maybe it means, again, you never know. Maybe it means that having come, merged out of the Geisha uh, population, they will bring the strengths and virtues of those cultures to the Judaism so that, let's say, for example, somebody was, I don't know, a Russian or something like that, and, uh, and a rough-tough uh, type of guy, now he's Jewish. Well, now he brings the rough-tough to the Jews to help us out. You get it? You know, it it's just a, a fascinating process that's being suggested over here because he goes on to say, i Muslim bring him to Israel, to make him one nation over there, and he'll have one government, one king. And they won't have another split like they had before, and I will not um, uh, they will not make Israel tummy with the idols Those they won't screw up and the language is very suggestive I will save them from all the the countries in which they sinned I mean that sounds like he's talking what I'm saying the 10 lost tribes who have been living for a thousand years now or 2,000 or or 2,500 years more as Goyim uh, and and it'll be a Yeshua. So Tiharti can mean I'll get rid of the idols, but Tiharti can mean I will purge their identity and give them another identity. It's a it's very very suggestive, right? And uh, and they'll get along with each other, okay? And and finally, you know, when the raised base of is rebuilt and they'll see it actually operates, and you have miracles there, and who knows what, then the nations of the world will say, I guess, wow, I guess the Jews are right, there is a Jewish God. And, you know, all these prophecies that took place thousands of years ago have now come to, to, to roost, and, uh, the you know, the, the the guy would be blown away. That's the purport of what comes in the uh, very famous Haftorah today. The point I wanted to make, which I don't think most people realize, is that this is from Ezekiel 37. Now remember, the chapter headings are not Jewish. In origin, they're from the Catholic Church. But it doesn't matter. The uh it's juxtaposed, let's put it this way what's, what what's the prophecy that immediately precedes it precedes it? The dry bones. <laughs> you get it? The dry bones, everybody knows the dry bones. When Ezekiel sees the dry bones and God says, Can that can these dead bones live? And then, you know, he calls them a that you see that a remarkable vision. Um, so even though Ezekiel said that the Yevshua, most of them, the bones have dried out and our hope is lost and we're cut off but it's not true because God said I'm going to open your graves and take you out of the graves now it could be literal there's a famous discussion in the Gemara is this literal or figurative and I'm sure you, many of you will remember this if you ever did anything connected with um, dafiomi and that sort of business or you've heard the rabbinic sermons because um, and I'm sure I've spoken about this in previous podcasts. I must have. I know myself. I can't avoid bringing up the grawl. although I will, I will avoid it today. But if you listen earlier, I'm sure you'll hear it on that famous toastism and is It's very cute. But um, the the uh, so there's a famous story where one of them said like, it really did happen, and I'm descended from one of them, and I'm wearing the tefillin that uh, of one of them. So in other words. My great 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 grandfather, whatever, was so and so. He was from the dead people, the dry bones. It never says in the Puzzle who they are. There's a rabbinic tradition as a Shaver of fry him. Okay. Pashim Shad is Islam, you know. He, it was a bunch of dead people. Because it doesn't say it was a fry him. And so pashtas, he saw a bunch of dead bones of Jews. And when God says, I'm making a trius, i see, see, now my, it's a vision, you understand? But the guy in the Gemara says, no, it's not a vision. It happened because I'm descended from one of those people who was resurrected. And I'm still wearing his tefillin. Okay. It says, so I mean, the way it starts is, so yad Hashem, which is an ambiguous language. It sounds like he had a, a, a vision, you know, and God took me with His spirit and sent me in a valley. So, I mean, you know, did he, how should I put it? You know, did did did, um, did this happen physically or not? Well, you know, the the is saying they really did happen. But on the other hand, it could be that, you know, let's put it this way. Uh, and, and 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 it would be addressed to those who don't believe in a mason or something like that. But it could be that it's just a dream, meaning it's a prophecy. It's not a fake dream. It's a real dream. It's a real prophecy. And when he says that the dead will arise again, he means those who are Judaically dead. You get it? In light of what I just said before, because first comes the prophecy of the dry bones that they'll all come back, and then he says, Take two sticks, one of Judah and one of Joseph. So it sounds like the stick of Joseph is gonna come from the from the dry bones. It's gonna come from those dead. So, um which by the way fits the rabbinic interpretation that was a shaved Ephraim. You know, you know what I'm talking about they tried to get out early before Moshe Rabbeinu's time and they left too quickly and they got killed. I guess by the Philistines in the desert and their bones were lying there rotting away or whatever that happens in the desert sun which would have freaked out the Jews on the way out and that's why as we all know at the beginning of purchase, it says <speaking in Hebrew> Rashi whoever says they'll see the dead bodies of the Jews before they'll, they'll psychologically freak out and they'll run back to Egypt so instead God took them around let it be no it could be but the key point is that um, you'll have those who who uh, who say our bones are dry, meaning we have no future. We have no future as Jews. Imagine today um, you went to Spain and you did one of these genealogy things. You go to a town in Spain and Portugal, and you go to a Spanish guy, a guy. They say, listen, I look up the records, this and that and the other. You can look them up yourself. And you'll see your great-great-great-great-great-grandparents 500 years ago converted to Christianity because of Inquisition, that kind of stuff. So really, since you come from the female line, you know, your great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandmother, and then her daughter, you know, converted, but she's really Jewish. And even though you're 20 or 30 mothers later, or whatever it is, uh, but you're halachically Jewish. It wouldn't mean anything to that guy. He would say, most of the time, he said, "That's interesting." If he doesn't get angry at you, he'll say, "That's interesting. You told me something interesting about family background." So, I'm I'm one percent Jewish, and the Jewish guy said, "No, no, no. You're halachically Jewish. You know, you're member the club." It wouldn't mean anything because the guy's family's been so fragoish and Catholic for centuries and centuries. It's simply like telling somebody in America you're part Cherokee. You know, nothing wrong with that. The guy said, that's interesting, you know. I'm a, I didn't know that. Uh, okay, that makes my family background kind of interesting. You know, I thought all my people came from England. I see one of them married Cherokee back in the 1830s or whatever. Could be. Doesn't make him not be a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Doesn't make him to be something other than this in, in, in his American identity. Now, you could have the exception to that, but it would be the exception. The exception, the guy would flip out and then want to join the Cherokees. But... And such things do happen. I mean, if you know the history, such things do happen. But generally speaking, a person just considered an interesting aspect of their career. So if you told Donald Trump, you know, 250 years ago, when he ran ancestors was Jewish and converted, he'd all right, you know, I guess that's where I get my... He'd say, I guess I had to get my business smarts. But he, he'd go on to continue to be a guy. You know what I'm saying? He's still going to be the same person. Unless something dramatic happened... That, that discovery of that piece of a person's identity has such an unusual impact upon their sense of self-identity that they, it, that it just shatters their previous world and gets them to start to identify with a completely different team called the Jews. you see? now so I'll say it again such things happen rarely doesn't happen much but such things happen rarely. Uh, the novi is telling us here that it'll happen widely that uh, you're going to take this one stick and the other stick time together, and that's going to indicate that this will happen, seems, in a large-scale process. That, my friends, is going to be interesting. Okay? Because in a world full of anti-Semitism, the fact you told my great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather back there was Jewish, would not necessarily be something with which I wouldn't want to identify. Because why don't I want to join a group that's attacked and persecuted by other people and beaten up? But maybe things, like I said before, it's impossible to predict the future. The Navi's laying out a vision that he has. The vision is that of dry bones which have given up any having a chance of life. And in spite of that, science is reversed. And you remember the prophecy of the dry bones? The, the 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 skin comes back and the and the innards come back and then and this you know, next thing you know, it's like a movie that you reverse. Instead of seeing the person die and the body rot, put the movie in reverse. And uh and they will now identify as Jews. And then we the Jews will get a tremendous um Reinforcement—that's what it means. Today, we're hanging on barely. What are there, 15 million Jews in the world? And really, not even that. If you want to get—if you want to get serious, from the Orthodox po- point of view, on who's Jewish, who's not, you have to cut those numbers down considerably. So, it's a tiny handful. It's a handful, handful. Of Israel's basic problem, fundamental problem in terms of security, is we're too small numbers. There's now seven million Jews in Israel, came Yerbo. There's a zillion million Arabs. Uh, and as long as your numbers are small, it's almost like, you know, uh putting a piece of cheese in front of a mouse. You know, the Arabs is like us, we can do it. We can take the Jews down. There's a finite number of them. We can kill them all or chase them away or something like that. It's doable. Now suppose, again, just suppose there's a revolution in, in identity, like the Novi's talking about today. And as a result, another 7 million, or 20 million, to come and they say, oh, we want to be Jewish. We realize somehow or other we're Jewish, and we want you. Remember, the the the, the prediction is that they'll be from. He says, they're going to be tiharti or some, So they're going to come as sincere, uh, the word convert isn't the right word, but you know what I mean. They're going to be sincere Judaism seekers, and they want to join the ranks. And all of a sudden, the Arabs say, oh, it's not 7 million. Is a 20 cell million. Shoot, <laughs> you know, forget that. You see? Um, something like that is predicted in today's software You can't tell exactly, of course. No one can predict the future. We only have these vague oracles of future. That's what these futuristic nevuas are. But one thing is clear, and I've made this point before. Before you get too, too optimistic, I always do better with pessimism. That's just who I am. Uh, and the truth of the matter is, is actually a very pessimistic uh, prophecy. Why do I say that? Because if it's true that God says, If God says, I will take them away out of what they were before, and I will bring a spirit of unity upon them, so that the two sticks are now united as one, then it means it requires a divine miracle to get Jewish unity. That actually comports to reality today. You look at Jewish life, ain't no way this group and that group is going to get along. And I'm talking about even among the from. And we talk about the from and the not from. Ain't no way it's going to happen absent a divine miracle. That's a sad statement I just said. So when the prophet says that they will come and God Almighty will intervene and make this happen, it means anything short of that, it won't happen. I hope I'm wrong. I don't want to be right, but that's the way it seems to me. So you actually have a very fascinating kind of Haftarah today, which is very thought-provoking in terms of all the pirud. In Jewish life, we have a new government in Israel and newspapers are going crazy how it's going to introduce divisiveness. Newspapers themselves are very divisive. So who knows? You know, I mean, everything is, is, is run by political agendas, cultural wars and things of that nature. The firm are prejudiced their way, the non from prejudice their way. It would require a divine miracle to, <laughs> to to get past that. And each group among Judaism figures that divine miracle means everybody will be like this. The Labavitchers figure God will bring a spirit of unity and everybody will become Chabad. The Satmar figures, oh, everybody becomes Satmar. You know, the Kipas, the Regas, everybody will come to Kipas, that's, that's what that means. Whereas in reality, it means that there will be one eighth called this and another ace called that. Some people have this kind of yamka and some people have that kind of yamka. At least that's what I think. You don't know, but there's plenty of food for thought. So, with that, it's a little bit late, so I want to wind this down. Thank uh, Professor Marcus for sponsoring this as Mother's Neshama and Evan Ali, as we said on the 24th of Teves. And with that, I wish everybody a good week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.